The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father in heaven, we have come to you, the maker of the heavens and the earth, the giver of life, the God of all creation, the Father of all spirits. And the God of all flesh. We come before you and we bow before you, our maker and our God. It is unto you, Lord Jesus, that we have gathered. Spirit of life, we see the control of this meeting to you. Magnify the name of Jesus in every life present. Let the throne of the Father be established in our hearts. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you, Lord. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Good morning again, everybody. Today we will be sharing... Um, on worship. Everyone say worship. We're sharing on worship. Worship. If, if there's something that is um, very significant is the art of worship. As a believer, it's the art of worship. It's worshiping and worshiping. Some people love to pray. And that's fantastic. I love to pray. But we should love to worship also, if not much more than pray. So today we, we um, are going to uh, take... Worship is, of course, very wide and all that. But we're going to take like... Um, bird's eye view on worship, that if we understand worship, our lives will totally, totally change. Totally change. Worship is, is very, very powerful. It's very powerful. Someone has said um, um, to, to, to me, someone said to me recently, man of God that was part of our, he came for a GWDI um, vigils. And he, said, and he said to me that many times, you know, when I've heard about, about um, God's favorite house and about, about you, you know, I've heard that you guys pray, that it's a praying church, you know. But when I came, yes, you guys prayed, but your strength is worship as a church. Well, I said, that's good. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't think that. Praise the name of the Lord. If it's worship, then it's good. Praise the Lord. Worship is something that God won't share. God we can 
share his blessings. And he does. And we thank God for it. God can share his power. And he does. And we are grateful for, for it. God can share his house. He can share his, 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 the innermost place of his house, his bedroom, if you will, the only of all is he tells us to come, he can share. He can share his wisdom. He says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask. And I will give. But something that God cannot and will not and does not share is his worship. You shall worship the Lord your God and he only shall you serve. Only. Everybody say only. Why God is, 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 is magnanimous enough and to share his, his wisdom, to share his, his blessings, to share his power He protects his worship. He, he doesn't share his worship. He doesn't. And, and that kind of tells us how crucial worship is to God. He doesn't joke with it. He doesn't share it. Every time you see um, someone in scripture that has an encounter with an angel because of the, of the um, aura of the angel, you know, angels coming straight from the presence of God, you know, they, they carry that awe, you know, of God. And because of that aura, you know, many times in scripture, people just subconsciously fall down to worship. And every angel, that is angels of light, would say, don't worship me. Worship God. The angels that receive worship is not of God. It's a demon. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and you see, and if you look at the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus began with people seeking to worship him. The life of Jesus began with, with people seeking to worship him. In, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. While every angel will reject worship, Jesus never rejected worship. What does that tell you about Jesus? He's God. Not once. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. The word of God says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod about the time some wise men from, the, from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw a star as it rose and we have come to... To worship him. Even as a baby, Ikoko, Pimpim, what does he call babies? What's baby in Ibo? 
What's baby in a do? Omo. Omo. Okay. Okay, you guys came from the Yoruba land, you know, so we, we borrowed you some languages, some, some words, you know. Omo. As even as a baby, Jesus was sought out for worship. For worship. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Because we have come to worship him. We have come to worship him. The one that was born king of the Jews. And you see, and it's all about worship. Jesus, uh, God said, Jehovah said to Moses to say to to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship me. Let my people go that they may worship me. Jesus came to set you and I free so that we can what? Worship God. So everything that does not allow you to worship God is a Pharaoh as it were. And you can invoke the judgment of God upon it. You can. So, as far as God is concerned, it's all about worship. Salvation, ultimately, is to unite us with our Father in worship. And, and the enemy also knows that because the enemy is all also all about worship. The scripture says of Lucifer that, that he said when he was conceited in his heart, he lifted up his heart and he said, I will lift up my throne like the most high. I will be like the most high. What was he looking for? Worship. Is all about worship. And it is all about worship. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. The word of God says from verse 8. The word of God says that the, the, the next thing the devil did, he took Jesus to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said. But on one condition. If you will what? Kneel down and worship me. Next. Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him. For the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only, everybody say only, only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. You see, that, that third temptation was the, was the peak of the temptation for Jesus. So all the other two, it's just all still about worship. It took Jesus to Satan took Jesus to the highest point and he showed him the glories and the kingdoms of the world and he says to him, I am going to give it to you. It's just both of us here. 
just bow down and worship me, Jesus, the Son of God. Now, this was Jesus we are talking about. And Satan knew who he was, that this was Jesus. And Satan still came and tempted Jesus and said to Jesus, worship me. And I will give you what you have come for. Jesus, I, I, I knew that from day one, you had a plan to come and redeem man and receive the glory and the kingdoms of the world and make the kingdom of this world the kingdom of our God. I know that is why you have come. But you need to go to the cross. You need to, you need to maybe uh, pay a huge price. Maybe there's something, even though I don't know what really, because he didn't know. But I can deliver it to you on a platter. Instead of you going through warfare and fighting and paying any price, whatever God has for you, because I know God, there must be something you have come to do. I am delivering it to you. The only thing you need to do, Jesus, bow down and worship me. Shaking now. Nobody would know. Just you. And I, how many times has the enemy offered you that thing that you have been looking for? And he says, wait a minute. All I need does compromise. Just compromise. After all, nobody will know. Nobody will know. Just compromise. You see, I'm here to tell you that the devil is not after your bread. He's after your worship. Satan is not after your bread. He's after your worship. He's not after your health. He's after your worship. He's not after your husband. He's after your worship. He's not after your house. He's after your worship. He's not after your job. He's after your worship. If he needs to get your job, to make you worship it, we'll attempt it. If you need to get your bread to make you worship it, we'll attempt it. If you need to get your husband or get your wife or get your children or get whatever he needs to touch to make you worship it, we'll attempt it. But it will fail. Because he failed with Jesus and we are aligned with Jesus, by the grace of God, it will fail on you. It is all about worship. It is all about, and this is the deception of secret societies. That's the deception of secret societies. They offer you the things that you need, or you think you need, or you, or you feel you need. The glories of the kingdoms of this world. And they say to you, we are, it's just, it's not mind these people that say, it's just, we are just, it's just brotherliness, it's just a fraternity. We just, we just look out for our own. I was talking to a friend of mine that had a deal I needed to speak with the vice president of some uh, country. Be the second biggest country in the world or the third biggest. And the volume of the business is huge. And he had a meeting with the guy. And the guy says, well, you actually should get this. But my brother, 
also qualifies for this. So who do you think I will give? You know, and the smart Nigerian guy was like, ah, we are brothers too. <laughs> and the guy is like, exactly. We can't be brothers. If I tell you the sum, it's huge. I don't want to tell you the nation because he's still the vice president. Huge. Long story short, he had to go to Spain. You know what's in Spain now, don't you? And Jesus appeared to my friend and said to him, are you going to bow to Satan? And my friend said, ah, no, now it's just um, fraternity. And he, he, he knew something was wrong and, and painfully he had to turn his back on that deal. <laughs> the deception of the occult world is we take care of you. We take care of our own. And when you come, they, they will. Because that is the attractive part. You get the businesses. You have a problem with government. All you need to do is let, you know, your cell leader know and they call the person to order and immediately you are fine. That feels good. Then after a while, they say to you, after you've enjoyed a lot of benefits, they say to you, you are not a stranger anymore. That's usually their terminologies. You're not a stranger anymore. You need to know how a few things. By that time, it's too late to turn back. Because you have enjoyed many things. Turning back would mean ready to die. That thing we did, this person had to donate a last child for sacrifice. It's your turn. You enjoyed it. Now it's your turn. It's all about about what? Worship. It's all about worship. It's all about worship. Satan said to Jesus, all you need to do is bow and worship me. Now, that may sound innocent. The four, three Hebrew children, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego had the same thing. All you need to do is just bow when you hear the sound of the bigel. Just, just bow. After all, you can, if you bow, you will, you will save yourself the very furnace, and when you get home, you will plead the blood of Jesus. That's what a lot of people do. I can compromise all I want. I have a bucket of the blood at home. I just need it to bath. I'll be fine. Listen, don't mortgage your 
destiny. Why? The key here, and don't miss this, is this. You and all that belongs to you belongs to the person you worship. Let me go over that again. Okay, they put it up on the screen. The key here is this. You and all you have belong to whom you worship. So when Satan was saying to Jesus, I will give you the kingdom of the world. Just bow down and worship me. After Satan has given him the kingdom of the world, and he bows down and worships Satan, who owns Jesus and the kingdom? He's the one. When you bow your knees and you worship Jehovah, you worship God, the maker of the heavens and the earth, who owns you and everything you have is God. So, if you bear his name, as we said at the God of service, then he's responsible for you. So, God is responsible for your protection. So, God is responsible to, to rise on your behalf. That's why I'm not afraid of anything. Why? Because they that are with me are more than they that are against me. Praise the name of the Lord. God is responsible for my provision. Because I bear his name. He's responsible. Because I've bowed my knees to him. I belong to him. And everything I have belongs to him. That's why there's nothing I can give God that I feel I have given God too much. Don't you understand? He owns it anyway. And is able to do all that he has prepared for me. He's able to do all that he has said he will do. It's all about worship. So when he said to Jesus, bow down and worship. I will give you everything. Just bow down and worship. The person you worship owns you. If you own a slave, and if slave says, I have a shirt, who has the shirt? If you own the slave, I say, I have 10 cars, who has the 10 cars? It's you. And when it's all said and done, it will still be, the separation will be about who worshipped who. At the end of the day, it's going to be who worshipped Jesus and who worshipped Satan. There are a lot of people in church, they are bowing to Satan. Not in this church, in Jesus' name. Uh, I would like to believe that. Every pastor would. There are some people in church, they are worshipping Satan. They compromise at every beck and call of the, of the enemy. They, 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 they bow their knees. But like, the three Hebrew children said, you and I, we need to get to that point. Like the three Hebrew children said, the God that we serve is able to what? To deliver us. We belong to him. We bow to him. We cannot bow to another God. He's able to deliver us. But if he doesn't, because we know he's God, he can choose not to. We want you to know, O king, that we will not bow to your idol. Throw us in the fire. We are not afraid of the fire because our God can deliver us from the fire. 
But in case it doesn't, it doesn't affect whether it is God to us or not. There are many people who say, God, you see, uh, this fire, if it burns me here, No. When you bow to him, you belong to him. And they threw them in the fire. And God true to who he is. The fire, the flame did not kindle upon them. The fire, instead of the fire to destroy them, the fire destroyed everything that kept them bound. The chains were broken. The fire the enemy is putting you into, it's not going to destroy you. It's going to destroy everything that has kept you bound. And the scripture says that Nebuchadnezzar, was it Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah. Looked at the furnace and he said, meanwhile, all the soldiers that took them to the fairy furnace, what happened to them? Dead on the way. Because of the heat, they heated it seven times more. Nebuchadnezzar said, we threw three people in the furnace, bound. But I can see four walking freely, strolling. It's as if they're even having praise and worship in this fire. And the similitude of the first is like that of the sun. Of God. The fire reveals the person that has been working with you all along that you can't see. That fire. Don't be afraid of fire. Don't be afraid of fire. As a pastor, a couple of times, people have tried to say to me, you know what, don't worry about this Jesus. Don't worry, we'll give you money. Money? For Jesus? Isn't that a foolish choice? Very foolish. I'm not afraid to go through the fire. Because when I go through the fire, There's a higher revelation of the person of Jesus that I see and I experience. The companion in the fairy furnace, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. By the time we get to Revelation 20, verse 4, Revelation 24, the word of God says in Revelation 24, and I saw thrones and they sat upon them and Judgment was given to them and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshipped. I was say worshipped. Which had not worshipped the beast. Neither his image, neither have received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ thousand years. Now, bottom line, by the time it's all said and done, it will all boil down to who did you bow down to? 
just what the scripture is saying. By the time it's all said and done, it's not how many church services you attended. It's who did you bow down to? Who actually honed that heart of yours? And, you know, today, like I said, it's big picture day for worship. Big picture. Everybody say big picture. <laughs> there are two types of worship when it comes to God. The first is vain worship. It was a vain worship. The second is true worship. Vain is vain worship. There's true worship. Every time you, we come, when I individually when we come together to worship, there is vain worship and there is true worship. In every church on earth, when God comes and breathes upon his people and looks at everybody, if we see vain worship, and if we see true worship, our prayer is that in God's favorite house, when God looks at every heart, all you will see is what? True worship. In Jesus' name. What is vain worship? Matthew 15, 8. Matthew 15, 8. The word of God says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. It says, these people draw it nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their what? Their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me. So when worship is, is when you're mounting, when you're praising the Lord always, that's all you're saying. It, it's not from your heart. It's just lip service. You're paying lip service. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. You sing it, but you go home. You know it's not Jesus that's at the center of it all. Vain worship. Vain worship is when you are paying lip service to God. You know, have you, have you, I mean, I've, I've, I've had to consult with some really big organizations. And one of such organizations I was consulting um, for, in fact, I had to be like resuming there for about a year and a half. And as an outsider, you know, we are subject to different rules than the normal staff people. So we don't even comply to many things they do. And I see the staff, I see how they pay lip service to the boss. When the boss comes in, they say, Ah, oh God, we are loyal, we are loyal to you. You know, and they carry his bag. Ah, oh God, you know, and they try to, you know, show that. The guy steps out. These same people. <laughs> now, if you if you if you if you're a boss, say you're a manager, or you are running an organization, you see you, and you are being flattered by people that are saying they are loyal to you, you're a big fool. <laughs> I'm sorry, I apologize. But you're a big fool. I'm sorry, I'm sorry again. <laughs> well, I think you're a big fool. <laughs> But I'm sorry. <laughs> Why? Because Proverbs says, if you put your ears to the wall, you will hear your servant cursing you. Yeah. 
are lawyer, we are lawyer. And some of them, they are, they are masters as these things. I, I sit down, and it's like I sit back and I'm watching a movie. And they are masters. And the box too feels, you'll be feeling puffed up. Then he leaves and he, and he just wash him down. And I shake my head. I say, that, that's why I can't work in this kind of organization. <laughs> because apparently that's what they need to do to get ahead for those kind of bosses. And many times we do that to God. We come to God. We pay lip service to God. We say to God, oh, I'm loyal to you. Oh, you're the Lord of my life. But you know who is calling the shots. Don't you? So that's called vain worship. Then there is true worship. John chapter 5, chapter 4, 23. John 4, 23. The, the word of God says in John 4, 20, 23 that, but they are coming. And now is when, they, when who? The true worshipers shall worship the Father. In spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is looking for true worshipers. The people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And I'm praying that he finds you in Jesus' name. So there's vain worship. And there's what? There's True worship. So true worship is worshiping God in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. Not only will you say, I'm loyal to your government, Jesus, when you come to church. When you leave church, when you go home, you are actually loyal to who? To Jesus. Clear example. A couple comes to church and they say, the pastor says, um, you know, you have to love your wives. Submit to your husbands. And you hear that. And you get home. And your husband says to you, Okay, let's put everything behind us so that we can move forward. And, you know, and you say, don't even try that. I have to deal with you for all these things that you have. You think you want to escape? You want to use pastor's message and escape, eh? No, you will see Pepe. Clear, simple example. So, what you have done is that you're in church, you have said you are loyal to Jesus' word, and you're at home, you are saying, no, I am in charge of this government here. So, when you want to look at practically the, 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 the lives of people, of, of how to be a true worshiper, how to, to worship God in spirit and in truth, how to be a true worshiper, it's the same scripture that we read in Matthew chapter 2. Our text, 
The word of God says that when, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from where? Eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of who? Of the Jews. We saw a star as it arose from the east and we have come to worship him. By the time you get to verse 11, you will see how they worshipped. How did they worship? They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they what? They bowed down. Imagine old wise men bowing down for a baby. Doesn't that look ridiculous? They bowed down and worshipped Jesus. Then they opened their treasure chest. Everybody said their treasure chest. Opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So there are three things that jumped out to us about true worship in this. The first is there can be no worship without a strong desire. There can be no worship without a strong desire. The, the, the wise men, Bible says, came from the east, from the eastern lands. Now, Bible scholars tell us that it must have taken them about two years to travel from the east to the Middle East. Because in those days, they just had camels and their foot. Imagine looking for Jesus for two years. Of course, another school of thought says it's not up to two years. That the star must have risen when Jesus was conceived. So, it must have taken them nine months. Even that. Nine months. Is that not a burning desire? Some people, they drive to church, it's 30 minutes, and it's a pain. It's a problem. Nine months just to, to worship a baby. Just to worship a baby. Nine months. There has to be a strong desire. There was a strong desire. There can be no worship without a strong desire. Second thing that jumps at, at, at us immediately is, uh, is there can be no worship without total humility. Total humility. They bowed down and they worshipped a baby. They bowed down and they worshipped a baby. You can come to God in worship and you're full of yourself. Do they know who I am? Who am I? Who are you? I am. Really, who are you? Before God, who are you? Nothing. Nothing. And we have the privilege of worshiping the exalted Christ. They were worshiping the baby. The baby. 
And they fell down on their knees and they bowed their knees and they worshipped him. Total humility. When you worship God, you cannot have your own chip on your shoulder. You need to let it go. You need to humble yourself. There can be no worship without total humility. You need to humble yourself. The scriptures define them as wise men. Not only were they wise, they were rich men. Poor people can't give gold. Yeah, they don't have gold. <laughs> they were wise men. They were rich men. They were obviously influential men. Because when they came into Jerusalem, they asked, where is he? That is born king of the Jews. And they had access to the king. But they left all those things. And they bowed. And they worshipped Jesus. Baby Jesus. Here we are. Before the exalted Christ. The resurrected Christ. The commander of the host of heavens. And we come. And we are posing. What's the basis for the posing? Excuse me. I just did my nails. You can't expect me to just wave it in the air. It's like you don't understand that there's, there are three foundations on my face. If you, if you, if, if you make me um, um, sweat, you know, it will spoil my mascara. Okay, okay, let me leave the ladies. <laughs> Go to the men. <laughs> you call, you say that you are still dangling your keys, the keys of your, of your car. Maybe Bentley is outside. You are dangling it. You say, um, we lift your name higher. What's that? You're holding your key. Can you see my key? Can you see the car I brought to church? Nobody cares. When you come to God, there can be no worship without what? Total humility. Total humility. Finally, on this, on this, on this note, we see here that there can be no worship Without sacrificial giving. There can be no worship without sacrificial giving. Now, here, I mean, the unschooled and unlearned in the spiritual things, we quickly say, oh, okay, it's about giving money now. Okay, I see. It means you're not listening. Remember, you and yours belong to womb. You worship. When they bow down before Jesus, Jesus owned them, owned the frankincense, the mare, the gold, the one that is even left in the chest, the one they left in the east, he owned it. So, were they giving to Jesus to, to improve his condition? 
We, we, we heard that you people cannot afford the, a, a nice, decent accommodation. Take this to help God. Was that the purpose of their giving? So, the worship of God, of our God, is not about what you can bring to him. The worship of God actually starts with what you can't bring to him. Worship actually starts with what you cannot bring to him. Our hearts are ushered into true worship when the honest confession is that we are empty. We cannot begin to enter and access true worship if, if, if we don't get to that honest confession that we are actually empty. There's nothing we can really bring to God. So, worship does not start <laughs> with what you can bring. It actually starts with what you cannot even bring. You are empty. 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 Total humility. Empty. Empty of what? Empty of anything that could coax God's favor. You know, I, a lot of people have been some, I would say, wolves in sheep clothing. I've, I've prayed on this materialistic aspect of man. And they cajole people that when you come to worship, you can coax God <laughs> with your gift. No. No. It starts with the emptiness of knowing that there's nothing I have that can coax God's favor. It, it comes with the emptiness that we know that we are empty of anything that could contribute to God's greatness. We are not contributing to God's greatness. Empty of anything that could contribute to God's greatness. We, that is where we start from. Like I said, the, it wasn't the, the, the three wise men. It was not about helping Jesus um, pay his rent. It wasn't. We, we don't want to go into, like I said, worship is very deep. We could have gone into the significance of the gold, the frankincense, and the mare, but it's beyond the scope of this class, <laughs> as it were. This morning, that is. They didn't give to improve the condition of God. But think about it. Can they? They can't. They cannot. They cannot. Why? Because is God by himself. Is God all by himself. You know the song we sing? He another God created by human hands. Do you know the song? You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of. By your plans, that's just the way it is. Our hearts are ushered into the true worship by the honest confession that in ourselves we are empty. We are empty of every scheme 
Knowing that God has no lack for which we must fulfill. The, the, the cattle upon a thousand hills belongs to who? To God. The, the, the wise men were not given to God because of God's lack. So we come hungry. Therefore, we come to get and not to give. We come to get. We come to get God. God. So the wise men didn't give to improve God's life. They gave in recognition of who God is. They did not give to improve his life. They gave to recognize and recognize you as God. So when we give, we, we are not giving to improve God's life. We are giving because we are giving in recognition that he is God. I'm going to use clear examples for, for you. I, I, I did say that 300 of the chairs you are sitting on for the first part of the auditorium was given by a lady. Then another 200 has been given by another lady. Maybe it's only ladies that are just on fire. You know? Now, another 200, sorry. Now, now, excuse me. Are they giving because God lacked? No. No. They are giving because they are saying we recognize that God is in this place. And we are sacrificing for him. Take the PTL for instance. A lot of you, a lot of us, including myself, have given sacrificially and we will still give sacrificially in Jesus' name. Why are we giving? Why did we give? Why did we give? You see, I say to people, it's not because I'm privileged to pastor God's favorite house. This is the best church on earth, on the face of the earth. You know, I, there's no other place I'd rather be really on a Sunday. Someone says, that's why you don't, you're always preaching in church. You don't go anywhere else to preach. I say, yes, where else will I go? That people who love God like this, by themselves, and they know it is God. In other places, you have to cajole and squeeze and, you know, and almost um, put your hand in their pocket. <laughs> but by the grace of God, because we are just three. Some of you have an idea of how much has been given for God's house. That only comes by an understanding that you are giving to who? To God. Not to improve his condition. No. To, but to pay homage to him as God. Because when you worship him, he owns you and he owns all that you are. So we come for more of him that we might see his glory that we might celebrate his person proclaim his victory and above all that we might be healed in his love. We come to him to worship Jesus.
Let's bow down our hearts as we bow down our heads. As we worship. It's okay. It's okay to clap if you want to worship and clap it. <laughs> That's fine. You know? So that it's not clumsy for you. Let's just worship him. I want you to worship God. But while we are at that, you are here, you are like, Pastor, I want to worship, but if I do, it will be vain worship. Vain worship. My heart is far, but my lips are is closed. In other words, I am not saved. I don't have a relationship with God. Jesus is not the love of my life. I want my worship to become true worship from today. Not vain worship. I want to pray with you wherever you are seated because we are about to begin to worship. You don't need to come forward. I want to pray with you. There's going to be a transformation that's going to happen where you are seated now. Pastor, that is me. Pray for me. My heart is far away from God. Put up your hand now. I will pray together wherever you are seated. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. God bless you over there. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. You, you, you. God bless you over there. God bless you. You don't need to come forward. Just sit down there. Once you, God bless you over there. God bless you. Once you have the card, you can put down your hand and, 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 and talk to God. And talk to God. God bless you right there. My heart is far from God. If you are online, the instructions are scrolling. God bless you right at the back. God bless you, my sister at the back. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Put it up. God bless you, my sister, right there. God bless you, right there. My heart is far. God bless you, my sister, right there, over there. My, my heart is far. I don't want to have vain worship. Our Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We bow before you in worship, our God and our King. Father, we pray for everyone that is a surrender to you today. We ask that you receive their hearts and their lives, Lord. That you change their vain worship to true worship. And we pray for everybody else, Lord. That we will not bow our knees to another. Only to you, Jesus. The maker of the heavens and the earth. And the giver of life. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have worshipped.